You're listening to Sportsnet Today on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Flames trailed 4-1 in the second period. They battled back, squared the score at four, picked up a point by sending the game to overtime, but the Maple Leafs get two. The final score at Scotiabank Arena, Toronto 5, Calgary 4, in a five-round shootout. It was a one-goal game following the first period. It was a one-goal game after the second period, but the Senators score two in the third. And they snap the Flames' three-game point streak with a 4-1 to win. Derek Wills recapping the weekend that was for your Calgary Flames. They entered the weekend on a two-game winning streak. They exit the weekend on a two-game losing streak. They'll be back in action tomorrow night, taking on the Montreal Canadiens, hoping that they can continue to trend upwards. All in all, yeah, we took two losses in that weekend, but I I feel like we deserve better out in Toronto, in Ottawa, the nation's capital. I feel like we just simply got beat. Welcome inside the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio on a holiday Monday. Hopefully everyone is having a great start to their day. I'm GVP, joined with Shan and Taylor. How's it going? I'm good. I'm excited. Hell yeah. Uh, Flames, uh, not 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 the last two games the Flames wanted. I thought, um, I, I thought Toronto was was an okay game, but Ottawa wasn't. Taylor, how you doing? Oh, you know, it's the end of the weekend, and you got a show to do. Goodbye. Off to a rough Monday. You didn't sound <laughs> very enthused. Not there. at all. Didn't sleep. Oh. <laughs> Too much excitement for this. Uh, it's coming. Flame schedule. Should be exciting. Should we have a jam-packed show for y'all as well? Uh, bottom of the hour will be joined by Alex Adams. He's the host of uh, Behind the Play podcast. He's also an Ottawa Senators reporter and also from Raptors Republic. Going to talk a little bit of hoops with him, get his thoughts on the Raptors start of the season. Scotty Barnes potentially being an all-star this season. Off to a great start. Uh, what What is the Raptors going to be doing with Pascal Siakam and his contract? Want to get his thoughts on, on the Ottawa Senators. We obviously, obviously just saw Ottawa kind of beat the brakes off the Calgary Flames, I think, in in that game on Saturday night. They're a team that's off to a rough start, but I I feel like they still have a chance at making the playoffs in that Eastern Conference. Want to get his thoughts on that and some of the other teams uh, in Canada and the Eastern Conference. Uh, Then top of the next hour, one of my favorites. You've heard him here on uh, the big show with Russick and Rose before. Senior writer for the fourth period and Series XM NHL radio host. Been a while since we've had station our man dennis bernstein will join us at two o'clock want to get his thoughts on basically all things pacific division a bunch of other stuff as well we know dennis is absolutely dialed when it comes to the nhl news and all that get his thoughts on the king's start to the season i feel like they've become somewhat underappreciated uh there's been a lot of narrative about how great vegas has been off to the the start of the season obviously the top of the pacific uh vancouver being red hot out of the gates i think la is still a team that people need to be taking seriously they're a team that can contend out there want to get his thoughts obviously on the big news coming out of uh edmonton jay woodcroft no more behind the bench get his thoughts on that and what and the future of the edmonton oilers and of course going to ask him about probably the biggest news that came out for for calgary on friday night nikita zadorov yeah says he he wants to get traded what were your immediate reactions to that well, that was a crazy thing to happen after that Leafs game. The Flames-Leafs game was electric. And yeah. we we talked about it off air. Going to a shootout, that was a really tough end to that. But 10 minutes after, his agent, Dan Milstein, tweets out pretty much saying he, he wants a trade, saying that um, not playing their top defenseman, which you can have your opinions on that, but 
he, he played 15 minutes that game, and, and yeah. right after, it was, um, it, it came out that he wanted to trade. And I, I thought, obviously, it's not exactly how you want um, to put out a trade request, etc. But I thought he handled it fairly well after. And his effort in Ottawa was not, uh, was not ideal. I think that's a lot of pressure to put on a player. He's, he's still a young enough guy. Like, he's not a veteran in this league. It's not like he's experienced it all and he's, yeah. he's trying to go to a winning team. Like, Nikita Zadorov had a rough game in that one goal behind the net where he tried to go for a hit when he should have just cleared the puck on the on the penalty kill and it led to a goal and that was that was a crushing one for for a team that was already tired coming off a of back-to-back yeah with, with with my reactions on on the Zadorov news was just like I, I I'm not sure if he, he wanted his agent to handle it that way I think more often than not players would obviously want to have that type of request be behind closed doors but it, it sounded like contract talks obviously had to have hit a stall or something like that. So maybe his agent wanted to do something to kind of put leverage back in, in Zadorov's favor because an agent isn't thinking what's best for the team. He's thinking what's best for the player, what's client, best for his yeah. client, right? So Zadorov, I think, is a guy who who believes he should have a bigger role on this team. Uh, I'm not going to say whether I agree with that or not because in, in that Maple Leafs game and even the the Ottawa game, I, I thought the Hannafin-Tanev pairing struggled. Yeah. Quite, quite often, to be honest. That's still be- becoming a reoccurring theme with, with the Calgary Flames in our own defensive zone. It, with that Maple Leafs game specifically, it felt like we deserved to win that game, or I'm not saying maybe deserve to win is a bit of a stretch, but we, we had a claim to victory in that game. You could argue that the Flames were a good enough team or or the better team in that game, and, and we just got uh, you know the short end of the stick, if, if you will. But in that game, it felt like all the adversity the Flames had to overcome was on their own accord. Yeah, Neilander was unbelievable. We're returning over the puck, and and you're you're giving up high quality chances to high powered offense like the Toronto Maple Leafs. You're going to get down early. Just just way too many turnovers in our own end. Poor defensive coverage got them behind the eight ball quickly. Flames showed that they can compete with a team that's supposed to be high quality in this league in the Maple Leafs. Honestly, I feel. That that game kind of changed my mind on the shootout as well. I feel like that was a shame that that game had to end that way. Honestly. I know that overtime isn't perfect, and three on three needs a little bit of tweaks because teams are figuring out how to loophole that and take advantage of some of the ways you can just dominate possession in overtime. But to me, that that, that changed my mind on the shootout. The shootout is just a it's a crapshoot. Yeah, like it, it's not the best way to determine who's the better team on that night, in my opinion. I, I want to go for a suggestion right now. What I would do for the three-on-three overtime is make it like basketball over yeah, and back. I agree. And because you're right, it, it's it's awesome when like when it when the shootout or, or overtime first started. I remember that first game. Tampa Bay was in that. Uh, I forget. I do. I forget who they played, but it was awesome. There was no strategy. It was just go out try and score. And now it's if you don't have a great a opportunity, you go skate back to your own your own zone and, and set up. And the team that loses the face off immediately doesn't touch the puck for two minutes. If the other team is, you know, smart with it, I guess, or taking advantage of, of what the rule set is right now. And and I agree. Which is frustrating. Yes. That shootout was, was a vibe killer completely. That game was awesome. Like it was, it was, it was, I will say somewhat of a beer league game. It looked sloppy at most times that Sharon Govich turnover on the penalty kill, uh, Rasmus Anderson couldn't catch Nylander, and he uh-huh. just walked through and scored. Like That's when I knew it was going to be a bit of an ugly game, and Toronto's defense has not been stellar this year. as you know They've done it for years now. They just outscored their problems. Um, 
that that game was was it was sloppy, but it was it was fun, and that it really that it made like it was chaos. And that it was, was it was wanted. fun, sloppy, but but still frustrating at the same time <laughs> yeah. because the Flames coming into this, like I said, to open up the show, we're on a two game win streak. We yeah. played a bunch of solid hockey before those two games as well, um, and it felt like we let that game slip away from us early on. The Leafs goals were always a result of, of a turnover, poor defensive coverage, just not having your guy. Whereas the flames, every single one was, was a result of hard work and grinding it out yeah. and trying to get back in the game. If, if they could just shore up some of the small little details, they win that game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say some of these, some of the guys are stepping up. We saw AJ Greer, he he had a nice goal uh, in front of that. Martin Pospisil yeah. has been a great addition. And, and truly, has he been the best young guy? While Connor Zary just had his four-game point streak snapped which yeah. to start his career, which is uh, unbelievable. Zary has been controlling the play a lot more, but Pospisil is doing everything you need him to do. And he's fit like a glove on that third line with... Um, with Backlund and Coleman, Coleman's working his butt off lately. He's he's been one of the best the best Flames, no doubt, the last couple of games. Um, but Pospisil's been impressive, and and the Flames need guys that are going to get to the net. Yeah, that's AJ Greer's goal was like that. Pospisil's got a couple goals like that. Um, that's how the Flames are going to have to score the majority of our goals. Yeah, because uh, I'm going to get to him in, in a little bit here. Jonathan Huberto, I think he was all in all a net positive for the Flames this weekend. I think he was more impactful than what we saw for the majority of the season. I'm not saying he was a standout or fantastic by any means. He was, it looked like he had more jump to his game, more passion to his game. But if this is the Jonathan Huberto and the Nazem Kadri that we have for the rest of the season, uh, we don't have a superstar on this team. Yeah, and for the next and so, years. <laughs> yeah. So the, um, the type of goals that we're going to be getting are gritty. Just, just gritty, grind it out, get to the net jam at home type things. I still I still want to have faith in, in Huberto. Like there's no doubt he has You gotta the feel talent. bad for the guy. You do. I know. I, he it's it's he does not want to come here and cash a check. I know he's making ten and a half. I know that he does not look like a guy that's just content to be here and it doesn't care doesn't matter how many points he gets. In Nashville it almost looked like he was crying on the bench. I yep. know he wasn't. He he was he was devastated when he got benched. And that's what you want from a guy who's had hundred and fifteen points and had the biggest drop off in NHL history. Like I I mean Something's got to got to work with him. Huberto and Lindholm need to work together, but it's not. And and I do I do want to read out some lines from practice today. Yeah. Um, Huberto off the first line is Ruzicka, Lindholm, and Majapani on the first line. Another change: Zeri, Kadri, Pospisil, and then Huberto down to the third line with Backlund and Coleman. I mean, those are two guys that can get anybody going pretty much. And then the fourth line: Sharon Govich, uh, Dubé, and Dewar. So obviously, we don't know if that's what's going to happen tomorrow in the game against Montreal. But AJ Greer. Uh, was the extra forward? I'm kind of fascinated that they decided to change those lines because I didn't. I didn't think they looked terrible in either of those games. And I know that people want to stick Huberto with Backlund just because they think Backlund is this type of fixer and whatnot. He's a solid player, but I'm not sure if his game is very cohesive with Jonathan Huberto's He's not a finisher. Exactly. Exactly. I, but but have... Lindholm hasn't been able to finish either, no. and, and they need to get him going. And that's kind of slid under the table here that we haven't talked about that enough. How many chances did Lindholm have in that Maple Leafs game? He had seven shots. And, and he yeah, he was buzzing around, but he didn't have a single point. Yeah. And he had that last chance in overtime, couldn't cash in. Like, he was, he was, it was a tough game for him, but he played well. Ottawa, he looked okay as well. He did. Uh, 
I, I, it is not. Easily... We're at the point where okay isn't good enough anymore, though. Well, no, obviously. No, I mean, the, you look at the Pacific Division. Vegas and Vancouver are on fire. L.A. and we're going to talk about this later with with Dennis Bernstein, but L.A. is they're they're such a solid team. They're the best center depth in the league. Like their their team is is stacked, I would say. Um, and then the Oilers, the Oilers are not going to keep this up. I know it's 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 ugly right now, and I know for a lot of people in Calgary, it's fun to watch. I get it. Yeah. But this <laughs> this is not going to keep up. You have Connor McDavid, who's far and away the best player in the world. Leon Dreisaitl is up there. Wherever you think he is, two, three, four, five, it doesn't matter. He's up there. Anyone after McDavid, it always feels like it's, it's interchangeable, right? Oh, yeah. Like the gap still between McDavid and anyone else is still pretty vast, yeah. in my opinion. So you could go anyone in between there. Yeah. McCarr, Dreisaitl, et cetera, et cetera. They're going to figure it out. Yeah. And they've gotten some of the worst goal. They have gotten the worst goaltending in the league this year. Uh, Stuart Skinner looked good in the last game. Uh, they they did dominate Seattle and then ended up firing their coach. But I, I just getting back to it, the specific division is still a solid division, and teams like the Ducks are playing well. and Above expectations, the Ducks. We'll and I was going to ask start. Dennis that as well. I, yeah. is, is this start for the Ducks sustainable? Can they can they make a wild card spot? They currently hold the top wild card spot with, without Trevor Zegris putting up any points. He's yeah, got one point in 12 games right now. Yeah. He's one point. Yeah. I didn't even see that. He, I, he, I know he hasn't been good, and he's been benched quite a few times this year, but... They have a very, very good young team, and it's Frank Vetrano apparently is the best goal scorer in the league. That makes no sense to me, but he's been playing great. Mason McTavish has stepped; he's taken a big step. That's up. huge for them, and he's he's always been a dog. I mean, we saw him uh, the World Juniors when he saved saved the game, goal line clearance, uh, and and then they ended up winning. Like Mason McTavish is a very good player. He's one of those guys that you can see as as a captain or or, or a leader in the future. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's sustainable, but I think this is a sign that this team is starting to click. Mitnikov is a, is a good young defenseman. Jamie Drys, Drysdale, and there's some big money that's that's been thrown around there. And um, if Zegers starts clicking again, yeah, that'd be a scary team. Uh, getting back to the Flames, yeah. so kind of recap that Maple Leafs game. They fall in a shootout 5-4. Uh, the Senators game, we saw the first start for Dustin Wolf. What did you make of him? I thought he was great. Yeah, he uh, His numbers don't say it. I mean, he still had 34 saves, but... I do think Dustin Wolf was awesome, and you know we talked about it a little bit off air too. I don't think any of those goals he really had a chance on. He really didn't. I, there was a couple of plays, um, screen in front of the net. I, I, Matthew Joseph gets yeah. the tip on that one, and Ottawa's possession game on all their goals or the entire game was just so much more dangerous than the Calgary Flames. <laughs> like they're they're snapping it around the zone. They're going east west. They're going high low. They're creating their own chances with their possession games. Whereas the Flames, they they don't really look dangerous at all. They, I, I believe the possession numbers were were somewhat equal, but just the eye test of what you were seeing, the Flames were just kind of lackadaisically moving that puck around that zone and then hoping that they're just going to get a rebound and yeah. find a way to get a greasy one put at home. Whereas Ottawa, a lot of their chances were high quality and, and their goals were on their own accord. And they have a great offense. Yep. There's no doubt. But one thing I'm starting to see as a trend is Maple Leafs, when, before coming into that game, Twitter was a crazy place. Their, their fans were angry and, and their defense was terrible. Like John Klingberg's had an awful start to this season, but he didn't play against Calgary. The Maple Leafs ended up beating the Flames, and they looked pretty good. Um, the next game, Ottawa, they were also a disaster. We saw what happened with with DJ Smith and and all the fans and Brady Kachuk and Claude Giroux talking about 
those fans and telling them to pretty much to hush up, which you really don't do. Um, but both teams come in and play Calgary and, and start to look like the, the mold selves again. So I hope that's not a trend. Both teams look vulner- were vulnerable coming into this yeah. weekend. The Maple Leafs especially. Ottawa were, you know, I, I had a bit more faith in Ottawa than, than the Maple Leafs. Yeah. But because uh, just because we were coming off a of back-to-back. But um, Maple Leafs game, we, we beat ourselves, mm-hmm. I feel. Got behind the eight ball with just poor defensive coverage. Too many turnovers. I sound like a broken record. That's what it's been all season. It's been like this for and, two years. Yeah, and then and then the Ottawa game was just, I don't think we showed up ready to play. And I kind of felt bad for Dustin Wolf because that was his first quality start in the NHL. The last time we saw him in the NHL regular season game was the last game of the season against San Jose Sharks. A meaningless game against uh, a not a very good team. And this was his first quality chance in the NHL, and it kind of felt like he got hung out to dry, in my opinion. Yeah, that's I, that's very tough for your first game. And yeah. the, the guys talked about it after. Um, they, they did leave him like hung out to dry. Really, it, it was it was that, and we talked about it. Those four goals, okay, three of the four, he didn't have a chance on that. No goalie stopping that, really, unless you get lucky and you throw your glove somewhere you can't see. Um, but is this like foreshadowing what's going to be Dustin Wolf's? We don't know what's going on with the Flames' future right now, but the defense has been has been very poor um, in, in some select games. This is not. You're running three goalies right now, right? Yeah. And Markstrom dealing with with some lingering injuries, so he took the day off. And Dustin Wolf came in. I just I, I I think this kid is awesome. There's no doubt. There's you can't argue his numbers. No one can. His numbers are accolades. Pretty much the MVP of every league he's been in for like the last four years. So um, I I really think this kid has a bright future. We've seen two games and he's looked awesome. I feel for him, and I really hope that that wasn't. A hit to his confidence. Because... I, I hope so too. I was going to ask you another question. Do you think he's ready for the NHL? I do. I, I he looked ready that game. I think so. I think so too. It's just like people are going to look at numbers, yeah, and and results as well. Fact is that he came up and gave up four, and we lost that game. I'm not sure when the, when's the next time we're going to see Dustin Wolf. That can obviously change if if the Flames, if our if our future is it's still unknown. Like in a couple weeks here, we could be talking about multiple. Pending UFA is out the door here, and then then I would assume you're going to see more of Dustin Wolf. But if we're trying to remain competitive, trying to get in a playoff spot, we we can't lose games like that. Yeah, and, and that's just kind of where I'm at with that. Um, what were your thoughts on, on the Flames' power play this weekend? Oh, it's I I had I had a, a lot to say about that. It, I, it was extremely frustrating. I had a frustrated tweet that I put out. I said, can they decline a power play? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, honestly, well, there's nothing going for them. And and Mark Savard, we know his talent as a player and his, his senses as a player were phenomenal. One of the best passers this game's ever seen. Um, and he was supposed to be the, the savior for this power play and somewhat for Huberto on the power play. Yeah. I think they're moving the puck a lot more. It's nice to see puck movement on the power play, but it's static. Yeah. They don't they don't shift defenders at all. No. And even even when they're on even strength, I feel like they, they don't do a, a very good job of that unless unless we're establishing a cycle. But it feels like we're we're late to puck battles a lot. In our own zone and in the offensive zone, our puck support isn't well. We lose a lot of fifty fifty battles. We're we're in the zone for a little bit. If if we're lucky enough to be the first to the puck, because we're we're not winning any of those battles, we basically gotta be lucky enough or or a little chip and chase type play. That to establish possession, and once we're there, it, it's static and it's slow, and we're not shifting defenders. We're not moving the puck across the ice. We're not only moving the goaltender's eyes, 
no one defensively really feels like they're getting moved out of position. And I felt like it was a super, super drastic contrast between our possession and the Ottawa Senators' possession. And they might have better weapons than us. It might be safe to say Tim Stutzla, I think, is a oh, game breaker. They have a great offense. J- Josh Norris is a great young player. Yeah. Batherson, you can keep going down the list. I, I love Matthew Joseph's speed as well. Claude Jarreau is having a little bit of a career renaissance, actually. He's <laughs> been excellent to start the season. The biggest thing with the Flames' power play right now is we can't break the puck in. You want to talk about possession, we can't even get it set up no. unless we win the initial draw in the offensive zone. Yeah. I, they got to remodel this break-in. I hate that bump play for this roster. It works it, with Johnny Gaudreau. Exactly. He's not on the team anymore. We're trying to run it on the PP. We have no one on this roster with good enough hands and good enough speed combined to to run that offense. Jonathan Huberto, you know, should have good enough hands. But to me, I feel like he's not only been so frustrating to start the season, he's also, I think he's just a a step behind the pace of play. Yeah. Really. That's been one of the biggest problems with with me on him. You, You watched him in Florida. There was no thinking. It was just instincts. It was pure skill. There's a lot of thinking going on right now. Yeah. And I, I a big difference, and I'll, I'll harp on this every time, a big difference between that Florida team is they were so fast. They were so fast. And I thought Huberto played best with Sam Bennett and Anthony Duclair because those guys just fly up and down the ice. So you've got one guy who's creative enough to make these crazy passes yeah. and, and two guys flying down the ice. Huberto's playing with Lindholm, who is not a super fast skater. Manjapani, I thought that line of Huberto, Lindholm, and Manjapani was the best because Manjapani does provide some of that speed. Um, it's still a step down from that Bennett and Duclair line oh, because well, that's an obvious statement. Just because I feel like Sam Bennett is a player that can create his own offense. Same with Anthony Duclair with his speed. Uh, Andrew Manjapani, I don't think necessarily can create his own offense. He's a trigger man. And he's got he's a, a setup shot, guy. Yeah, it should work. So, like, uh, I think that we don't need just like a traditional just a trigger man. I think you need a guy that can kind of get his own shot off as well. Yeah, with, with Huberto. So it, it has been frustrating. Like I said, though, I think he took a little bit of a step forward there, coming off of benching. You, I, I watched him quite heavily. I was focusing on him. I feel like just as much as every, everyone else yeah. was doing, right? So I, I didn't think he was outstanding. I'm not saying he was the Jonathan Huberto of old by any means, but all in all, on the weekend, I, I would give him a, a positive grade, if you will. But he, I feel like he's playing with a bit more passion, a bit more jump, still trying to force some things, but at least he's showing some of the effort that we saw with a guy like Nazem Kadri, and he was trying to get out of, out of a rut too. Yeah. I, just, I just want to preview the next couple of weeks for the Flames. Uh, because we don't know what the future holds. And I think these next two weeks are massive for what could happen with all these UFAs. Uh, game tomorrow against the Habs. And then on the 16th, playing the Canucks, who are on fire. Uh, 18th, they're playing the Islanders. So it's still a solid team. Uh, 20th divisional matchup against the Kraken. Kraken haven't been that good this year, but they, they still have a lot of talent. Um, Flames and Predators on the 22nd. We saw what happened uh, against the Preds. And then... Preds are a pesky team. Like I know, I know they're just kind of middle of the pack right now. Just they're they're a team that I don't even really know what they are. Really, are they, are they trying to be bad? Are they trying to make the playoffs? I'm not really sure, but they always seem to have the Flames number. Yeah, and then the last five games after that Predators game: Stars, Avalanche, Golden Knights, Stars, Canucks. Yikes! Woof. Yeah. So <laughs> I this is gonna be that that Canucks game. The second Canucks game is on December second. That might be that the benchmark because after that they play the Wild, the Hurricanes, the Devils, the Avalanche. Like, there's no be- bottom team in that. And no. then you go Golden Knights, Wild. Like, 
Lightning Panthers. That's the schedule they've got coming up. That is a tough schedule. Probably the toughest in the league. There's no freebies in that. So if they can string wins together in that sequence, I think you're looking at a team that that can revitalize themselves. If they just can't even get any offensive zone time against some of these amazing teams, I think you're starting to look at, all right, it's, let's, let's get some guys out of here. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Flames will be in action again tomorrow night, taking on the Montreal Canadiens. Montreal playing above expectations, just outside a wild card spot right now. They got 16 points out there in the Eastern Conference. Uh, conference. Uh, we're going to revisit some of this flame stuff at 2.30, but uh, around the corner, we'll be joined by Alex Adams. Going to be uh, hitting pause on the hockey talk for just, just a few minutes. Going to talk about the Raptors start to their season. Then we'll get back to some hockey with the Ottawa Senators and more from the Canadian teams. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with GBP, Shan, and Taylor behind the board right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today on the official home of your Calgary Flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back. This is Garrett, Shan, Taylor in the other room on a holiday Monday, November the 13th, 2023. We're live in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, wet basement. We have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They're all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Top of the next hour, uh, we'll be joined by senior writer for the fourth period, as well as a serious XM NHL radio host, Dennis Bernstein. Talking all things around the Pacific Division, where the Flames stack up. Going to ask him about Nikita Zadorov, obviously. Some other trade rumors like Patty Kane. Where is he going to land? 2.30, going to get back to our Flames topics. Going to dive into that Zadorov, some Zadorov audio. Uh, Elliot Friedman, latest edition of 32 Thoughts. He had some thoughts on Zadorov asking out as well. We'll get all to that straight ahead. But right now, we go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. To talk to the host from the Behind the Play podcast, he's an Ottawa Senators reporter as well. He's a contributor to Raptors Republic. His name is Alex Adams. Alex, Alex, thanks for uh, taking the time to join us today. How's it going? Great. Thanks so much for having me on. No worries. No worries, man. Uh, wanted to start with the Toronto Raptors. Uh, what have you made of their start to the season so far this year? They currently sit four and five, one spot out of the play-in tournament. What What do you feel are the the real realistic expectations for this group in your mind? Yeah, it's, it's it's definitely the vibes are very different than last year where it seemed as though everyone was getting at each other. And this year with Darko Ryakovich, the new coach, replacing Nick Nurse, um, there's just much more energy. You see guys on the bench uh, much more excited for their teammates, which was less so the case last year. Um, for expectations, yeah, they've had a tough schedule, but they've lost to a lot of good teams, like twice to Philly, who's tearing it up. They lost to Boston um, on, on Saturday, but no real kind of terrible blunders other than maybe one loss to Portland. I would say the ascension of Scotty Barnes has really made it so that this team could maybe be, you know, not just the 500 team, but potentially a 45, 51 team if everything goes right. Their offense is going to be a problem. They're 28th in the league right now in offensive efficiency, but their defense has been really, really good right now, sixth in the league. So I think, uh, you know, if they survive this next little stretch of a tough schedule um, outside of Washington tonight, who they should beat, um, they could really make a little bit of a, uh, a push in the Eastern Conference that is pretty open outside of a couple teams. Yeah, uh, you bring up the new head coach there, Darko. Uh, obviously, he's made a lot of changes to this offense. What have your what is your thoughts have been for his first year as uh, the Raptors head coach? 
Yeah, I mean, um, Nick Nurse is, is you know, won uh, a championship. It's hard to replace that kind yeah. of pedigree and that basketball mind that Nick Nurse has um, that not many coaches have. But he's definitely a player's coach and knows how to communicate with players, which in today's NBA, when guys are making multi-million dollars uh, or trying to make the next get their next paycheck, um, it's really tough to connect with players. And he's young. Um, he's talked about sending videos to players like Malachi Flynn on how to, like, I think he sent him a Tom Brady video about how, you know, he maximized his um, practices when he was playing at Michigan back in the day. Um, so just finding ways to connect players is so integral, and he really seems to be doing the case. They're different on offense compared to last year, much more ball movement, less um, trying to force turnovers on the defensive end, yeah. much more kind of a normal defensive scheme, not as much pressure on the ball. But um, overall, uh, four and five, they could maybe be five and four, six and three if um, there wasn't a couple of games here and there that kind of went the wrong way. But overall, I think this team looks much better than last year, even though their record would suggest they're a pretty similar team to last year. Yeah. Uh, in, in my mind, the biggest change that, that Dargo has made so far this year is that he's made Scotty Barnes as the focal point of this offense. Mm-hmm. To me, he has somewhat overtaken Siakam as the number one option, as the guy for this team. What do you think uh, a ceiling is for Scotty Barnes? That's a great question, and I think a lot of Raptors salivate at thinking of that question because the way he started the season has just been so phenomenal. Um, he's averaging almost uh, two blocks a game, a couple steals a game. Um, he's shooting the three like no one else. That step back, a lot of fans will remember in, in San Antonio when they came back from a huge halftime deficit. But uh, outside of the shooting, he's just way more engaged. He seems to be in much better shape, which he's talked about. Um, he really seems to be putting it all together. And, and with regards to a ceiling, uh, I don't know. He's a bit of a lot of really good players. You could say maybe a baby Giannis has some Magic Johnson in the open cor- uh, court. Like Those are really good players that he has a little bit of his game in. Um, I think offensively, if he continues to shoot well, um, he can be a multiple-time All-Star and, and All-NBA guy for a long, long time, and maybe even the best player on a championship team if he keeps um, putting everything in. Because the biggest question was the shooting, and uh, if any of the shooting uh, success that he's had to start the year is indicative of something long-term and, and sustainable, then he really has uh, just the ultimate upside. We are in conversation with the host of the Behind the Play podcast, Alex Adams. It is uh, Sportsnet Today with GVP and uh, my co-host, Shan. Alex, we, we've seen what happened, uh, what's happened with Pascal Siakam this year. It, it's certainly a drop-off. I don't think there's any you know, getting around that. But Scotty Barnes taking the reins, we've talked about this to start the season. But what we've seen with Siakam, I mean, he's shooting 26% from three and 43 from the field uh, with 17 points. Is this something that's really concerning for, for Raptors fans? Because we know what happened in the bubble year. Yeah, I think you, you, I mean, it's obviously not a positive the way he's played this year. He's only really had maybe two really good games against Milwaukee and Dallas where the Raptors played really well. So that's a good sign that if Siakam plays well, the team plays well. Um, It's definitely concerning. Um, I've talked to Michael Grange and he's talked about how the uncertainty around Siakam's contracts weighed on him this year. You can probably see that in the way they played and obviously 
as you guys mentioned, um, the offense has gone to Scotty, much less so to, to Siakam, who really had the ball in his hand all the time last year under mm-hmm. Nick Nurse. So um, overall, it's definitely concerning. Now, would I press the panic button about Siakam? Not really. He's, you know, um, gone through a lot of adversity and seems to always come out of it better. Or he was an all-NBA type player last year. Um, he all star as well. Um, I think he'll rebound. I think they're just trying to mesh him and Scotty uh, on the, at the same time um, in Darko's system, and it might take a while. And, and uh, also, just his future being muddy, I'm sure, uh, hasn't really helped it his game so far this year. And, and it makes sense that it would weigh down on him, just not knowing where he's going to be yeah. um, for the foreseeable future. Uh, one guy that you've seen a lot of in the last few months, Dennis Schroeder, because you, you were at the uh, FIBA World Cup of Basketball yeah. in Germany, obviously winning that. Um, what what has been his impact? I Truthfully, I'm a little shocked. He, he took over a role that Fred Van Vliet had that was he was one of the main guys and, and had the ball a lot. So Dennis Schroeder getting that starting role, and he's got 16 points and, and eight assists per game. Like, uh, what, what's what's he done for this team, and, and how has he fit in? It's, it's so interesting because – his, his stats are very similar to Fred Van Vliet's so far this year. Yeah. Um, he's a better on-ball defender, at least right now. He's so athletic, and he really brings what this Raptors team hasn't had since the Kyle Lowry era and, and ever since, was a guy that can beat players off the dribble um, and really good to the lane. Uh, to the uh, lane. And he's been phenomenal. He's averaging almost eight assists a game, ironically the same amount as assists as Fred Van Vliet. So he's brought a different... Um, kind of game style compared to, to Fred. Um, and he's been phenomenal. And the outside shooting has been really good. He's shooting about 39% from three. I don't know if that will hold. He's only really he's only had one season where he shot over 35% um, on kind of a, a high volume. So if that holds, he's a really, really good player because he knows how to find his teammates. He knows how to um, – he's a really good defender. And if he can just con- consistently make open shots – um, he's a really, really good player. So that's an awesome sign for, for Raptors fans, the way he started the season. I, I do want to talk a little bit about somewhat the near future because this team, we saw what happened last year in the play-in. Uh, they lost to DeMar DeRozan's daughter, so not exactly an uh, <laughs> ideal situation. But um, they they really wanted Jakob Pertl back, and, and they made a trade for him, and they traded away a first-round pick. They, they have a lot of trade pieces on this team. I don't know if this team is, is, is good enough um, – to really compete right now, but what what is your outlook on this team? And do you think they're um, they're they're holding off and trying to win as many games as they can just because they know that first round pick might be out of the question? Yeah, I mean it's top six protect, I believe, uh, going to San Antonio that first round pick in the Jakob Pertl deal. Um, yeah, I don't think they're going to add at the deadline just because they don't have their first round pick um, uh, and and they don't have additional picks really in the future. Um, I think what will be interesting to see is if this team, let's say it's 500, maybe slightly above 500, I'd imagine uh, OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam, even Gary Trent stay on the team. Right. And the Raptors do what they did last year. And, uh, you know, with Masai and Bobby, patience isn't just a virtue. It's what you do mm-hmm. every time. Um, so, but if they start to completely unravel or similar to what they did last year where they were well before below 500 until the Jakob Pertl deal. I'd imagine that some players get traded, especially Siakam or OG. Um, probably not both, but um, 
they probably would look in that direction to Gary Trent as well, who's an expiring contract. So um, if the team is successful, I'd imagine um, it's status quo mm-hmm. um, going forward. And if they aren't successful, then I'm sure you'll see real changes outside of a Grady Dick and a Scotty Barnes. Um, there's probably a lot of, um, not a lot of players untouchable. I would say maybe OG because, um, no one loves OG more than Messiah and Bobby Not at all. <laughs> uh, just kind of building off of what Shan was talking about with, with the future of this team. And uh, I, I wanted to ask you about Siakam's contract. Where are the negotiations with that? Have you heard anything? Have they stalled with that? Or, or is, is Raptors management kind of worried about the way that he's gotten off to this season? I know that Raptors fans don't want to see them lose Pascal the same way they did with Fred to Houston in free agency. What do you really think the Raptors should be doing with this whole contract situation with uh, Siakam? Yeah, well, it depends if he makes all NBA this year, but he's, he's in line for a supermax. And as good as Pascal Siakam is, especially for people that don't know, there's a, a new CBA. There's a thing called a second apron. There's basically harder pe- penalties for teams that go over the luxury tax. And there used to be, you can even lose picks, etc. So, um, signing Siakam to a five-year, two hundred and something million dollar contract um, is probably not is going to be a big decision for this brass. Um, now he can easily get the max as well, um, but it seems as though everything I've heard is they're really in wait and see mode and and see how he plays, how he meshes with Scotty Barnes this year. Again, there's also OG and Anobi, right? If you pay OG, then you probably don't have the money to pay Siakam to maybe what he feels is right. Um, and vice versa. So it's going to be really interesting to see. I'd imagine um, both of Siakam and OG are probably not on this team next year, yeah. um, but you never know. Um, but it's going to be really fascinating long-term what where the Raptors go. And I think a lot of it, as I said, depends on the success of this season. If they do great, if they get 45, 50 wins, maybe they run it back. Um, if they get 30 wins then uh i'm sure you'll see significant changes and and i think siakam probably isn't getting a supermax contract but could still be in line for a significant contract extension with the raptors we're in conversation with the host of the behind the play podcast alex adams on the atlas pizza and sports bar guest hotline uh 960 the fan uh wanted to switch gears from from hoops and get to the hockey here i know that you do some work for the Ottawa, uh, you do some reporting for the Ottawa Senators as well, and wanted to get your thoughts on, on their start to the season. I know that it's been slow, but they're they're kind of starting to trend upwards, turn a page here, starting to, to get hot. Do you think it's possible that they can make up that four point gap and get back into that wild card conversation? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they uh, they have their four points out. They have two games in hand on those teams. They've been really up and down. They've yeah. also been mired in controversy from same. Shane Pinto's contract to the gambling and his suspension for people that don't know, Dorian Pierre Dorian resigned slash got fired uh, for a no trade clause blunder with Vegas. The Sens now lose a first round pick in the upcoming years. They've been completely hammered with injuries on their back end with Zub, Artem Zub, Thomas Shabbat, Eric Branstrom all being out of the lineup for extended period of time. So they've had it really tough and they're only one game behind 500. So that's kind of, the optimistic take at the same time, they've been all over the place in their own end, um, giving up the the fourth or fifth, the uh, most amount of goals uh, against, but they're scoring at a really high rate. Um, Their analytics would 
kind of put them a little bit in the middle, that they're not as bad a defensive team as they've shown, and they're not as good as an offensive team, which they're right now third in goals for. So it's been all over the place, which it seems like it always is with the Senators. Um, but I think when they come back from Sweden, um, hopefully they, for their sake, they, they win a couple games. But they're, they're right there. They're about a, yeah. a five-game winning streak away from, from being in a playoff spot. Um, it's just they haven't really had time with all their drama to, to come together. Yeah, and kind of you bring up the drama there off the ice with Pinto and uh, the management and whatnot. And we just saw a coach firing out in Edmonton with Woodcroft getting let go. If Ottawa takes another step back in the coming weeks, is DJ Smith still in trouble of losing his job, or has the hot seat kind of cooled off on him at the moment, do you think? Yeah, the the, the, the seat was at its hottest about last week when they lost to the Tampa Bay Lightning, and it was just an incredibly uninspired effort. They had lost five out of six. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say I was surprised, but it made sense if the Sens were to let go. But Steve Steos talked, I think, to uh, Pierre LeBron and talked about how he wants to be um, to keep this team stable. He's talked to the players, and they very much like DJ Smith. And being around the room and, and seeing the players interact with him, he is a player's coach. The players like him. Now, that doesn't mean it translates into success, right? You guys know with Daryl Sutter, had some great years, and I don't think a lot of players liked him, but you don't have to like your coach to be effective necessarily. So um, overall, uh, he's definitely on the hot seat, but it seems as though Steos and Ann Lauer, um, with what happened to Pierre Dorian um, resigning, really want to have some calm and, and tranquility in Sensland. And so as of right now, um, probably not, directly on the hot seat but they lose four in a row he's probably gone similar to uh jay woodcroft and and edmonton now this senator's team it's obviously a very young team but it seems like they're missing just just one piece do you see that missing piece being maybe a a free agent signing or is it one of those young guys stepping up because they do have some young guys roby arventi um and obviously they're they're defensemen they got two 21 year olds on the back end so do you see it as a free agent signing that helps them out or, or one of those guys stepping up? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the if they had Shane Pinto and you added him to this group, I think they'd be really set at the, right. with their forwards on defense. Um, with a full lineup, they're probably still missing another defenseman on their back end. Um, but I, I feel like they're not too far away. They've just had a lot of injuries. And they don't have the same depth that a lot of the elite teams have in their farm system. You mentioned Yarventi, who's been okay since he's been called up. But um, they're not missing a lot. But I would say maybe they're, what they're missing is, is playing as a collective and playing consistent hockey. They're very up and down in terms of their play. Um, and uh, that's something that they really need to focus on because they'll have these great stretches of playing awesome and then just uh, fall apart uh, quickly. And, and this team likes to... to to come back, but when the pressure's on them to, to win games, um, they don't handle it the best. And you can see that with how, um, for people that don't know, they've been terrible in November the past couple of years and, and haven't had a great start to November so far this year as well. Right. Um, this this Atlantic division has been a problem for some of the bottom teams for a few years now. It, you got the Bruins, Panthers, Red Wings, Maple Leafs, Lightning, uh, Habs, Sabres, and then obviously the Senators. That's that's a lot of talent in one division. Um Senators definitely not playing up to their potential, but where do you see if they're playing at their A game? Where do you see them ranking in the, this Atlantic Division? 
That's a great question. It's so it's such a difficult division because right now, especially with the Habs playing pretty well, there's no there's no terrible teams in that division. Yeah. Which you would say almost every other division does have a, a bad team. Um, I would say probably Florida um, and Boston, at least so far, have been the class of the division. Mm-hmm. You could probably lump Tampa Bay and, and Toronto. Uh, in the next year just because of their pedigree mm-hmm. and then there's buffalo detroit and ottawa um i would probably say on paper ottawa is better than detroit um and and maybe better than buffalo but i would say they'd be in that pack and then the haps would be a bit lower so okay. in my mind this team on paper can definitely be a playoff team and a wild card team but really on that precipice making the playoffs and their start has really pushed them back while a lot of those other teams have had decent to, to good starts. So um, I'd say middle of the pack in the Atlantic is where you put them. Um, but with the Leafs floundering, um, the Tampa Bay has been up and down. If the Sens, again, if they can just put some good hockey together for more than two games, they could easily um, push and be one of the best teams in this division. Right. Alex, I've been loving some of the guests that you've been getting on your podcast as of late. Is there anything that you got in the works for the next couple of weeks on the show? Yeah, no, I have um, uh, Alex Wong of, of the, the Raptors show is on. I just recorded with him earlier today, so that'll be up uh, tomorrow. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I had Will Liu of the Raptors show. So a bunch of Raptors content that can people can check out and maybe some hockey stuff uh, in the near future that uh, I'll, I'll keep quiet for now, but I have some stuff in the works. But thanks so much for having me on, guys. Absolutely. Yeah, no worries. Thank you, Alex. Uh, we'll do this again soon, eh? Of course. Awesome, man. There he goes. That was Alex Adams, the host of the Behind the Play podcast, Ottawa Senators reporter as well as a contributor to Raptors Republic. And he, of course, he joined us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Ottawa, I think they're they're moving upwards, but like you said, that Atlantic Division, just listing off the list of teams in there, it's the murders a row of talent. Yeah. Like, I just don't know how how they're going to be able to get that done. I know Elliot Friedman likes to throw out a stat all the time. Uh, November 1st is kind of his day. If you're four points out of the playoffs by that day, you act, he says you have about a 10 to 15% chance yeah. of making the playoffs. The Flames are one of those teams that are trying to get back in the mix. I believe the Ottawa Senators were as well. So it'll be interesting how, how they kind of contribute figure out their season yeah I think it's it's interesting when you when you look at this this Habs team and you know Flames seeing the Habs tomorrow um I I don't think this is sustainable obviously like Sean Monaghan's been great for the Habs yeah um and, and you know they've got a they've got a lot of young talent Uri Slavkovsky needs to get going uh Taylor I know you uh you quite like the Habs I, I want to hear what you're uh what you're thinking for tomorrow's game like is this is this Flames team going to be able to beat up on the Habs or are the Habs going to keep rolling I see that's a little hard to predict just because of the trajectory that these two teams have been on the past few games. Um, I think that the Habs are kind of figuring themselves out now. They've had a couple injuries and they're just figuring out where Slavkovsky fits on this roster. They have some great defense, but they're still very young and figuring it out. So it really comes down to can they beat Sam Montembo? Yeah. Slavkovsky has to start going. Yeah, he I was really about to ask you, Taylor, are you high on Slavkovsky? Like, do you think he's progressing in the right way right now? Or are you kind of confident that he can kind of live up to that that first overall uh, pick marker that he, you know, drafted at? I, I think that he can. Um, like, he's being put on every single line. He was just thrown on the top line with 
Suzuki and Caulfield a couple games ago yeah. and then sent back down the lineup. Uh, he has found a lot of chemistry with Sean Monahan, and Sean Monahan has found his kind of second wind, I guess. And same with Tanner Pearson, who's on that line too. They threw Bender, Brendan Gallagher there last night. It's a great um, line. Yeah. This, and that, that line has kind of been going. So I think that Slavkovsky can get there. It's just about finding where he fits on this roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No games off for the Calgary flames right now. We got to get going. We got to, yeah. we got to get back on the winning side of things. We the answered Gary schedule. Yeah, I know. It's like you said, geez, towards the end of November too. looks little yikes. And yeah. tomorrow's not going to be an easy game as well. No. Taking on Montreal Canadians. Cole Caulfield off to a good start this season, just under a point per game. Monaghan obviously having a bit of a career renaissance, so it's going to be a tough task for the Calgary Flames, and then going to be an even even tougher task when we take on the Vancouver Canucks to close out the week. But uh, we're going to take a quick break around the corner. uh, Dennis Bernstein, senior writer for the fourth period, as well as uh, a host for Sirius XM NHL Radio. He's going to join us next. It's GVP, it's Shan, it's Taylor, it's Sportsnet 960, The Fan.